Welcome to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. On this episode, we are going to talk to Donald Stewart of the Winnipeg Westman men's basketball team. They're off to a fantastic start to the season. They're ranked third in the country ahead of their visit to Mount Royal this weekend. And then Marad Atesh, our friend from The Athletic, joins us to talk about the Winnipeg Jets on the podcast. It's been an impressive start to the season for the Winnipeg Westman men's basketball team. Coming off an appearance in the Canada West title game last year and a trip to Nationals, this year's team is 5-1 and one and ranked third in the country. And this weekend, they're visiting Mount Royal. The Cougars 3-3 three and three so far. And before they hopped on a plane this afternoon, I caught up with junior forward Donald Stewart, currently averaging just shy of 10 points per game. How would you say things have gone so far this season for your team? Uh, I think they've gone very well. Uh, you know, we gotten off to a pretty good start. We've we're five and one in conference play, and uh, we played very well in preseason. So we're on a good roll right now. It'll be a challenge to keep uh, this thing going. Um, you know, with every win and stuff, I think the target on our backs gets uh, bigger and bigger. So we know that we're uh, pretty we're circled on everybody's calendar, and we're going to get everybody's best effort. But uh, we're we're pretty confident and feeling good and what uh, we've been able to accomplish so far and hope to keep it going. How different is that from last year where maybe you snuck up on people, a young team that didn't maybe have the expectations, but all of a sudden you're making the final eight and, and in the mix for a national championship. Now you've got pretty much the same team back. People are ready for you this time. Are they not? Yeah, I think we're, we're certainly thinking that way. I think uh, our coach has done a very good job of, um, making sure that that message is very clear to us. I think there are certainly some teams that maybe took us uh, lightly last year, and that certainly hasn't been uh, the case this year. Uh, whether we're more known or because of our success last year, I think certainly we're getting every team's best effort, and uh, that really puts the onus on us to be ready for anything that comes our way. There's There's no excuse for us to have a bad weekend if we really think we're the team that we are. Now, being ranked number three in the country, is that something you pay attention to? Uh, you certainly pay attention to it to a certain degree, but uh, I think you you try not to, to focus on it too much and try to take it day by day and week by week and look uh, to who we were playing this week because, uh, you know, our, our coach was talking to us about when the first rankings came out, and I think they had us in the top ten, and he says, you know, well, who, who really remembers who was ranked in the top ten in November, but a lot of people remember who were in the final eight at nationals uh, at the end of the season. So when you sort of break it down, it's, it, it's nice to get recognized certainly at this time of the year, but uh, we're, we're most concerned about us being in that final eight again at nationals at the end of the season. So that's our focus. So you're on the road at Mount Royal this weekend. What has your prep work told you about what task lies ahead with them? Uh, they're a really talented group. Uh, they have two guards uh, with Holt Tommy and uh, Kevante Watts that, that can really, really play and can really, really score it. I think both of them are averaging 18 or 20 points a game. Those those guys are really dangerous. Uh, and if you don't uh, sort of make a concerted effort as a team uh, to try to uh, limit those guys and keep them away from some of their favorite spots and some of the things they like to do, uh, like they can they can beat any team in the country. Those two players and then I think a lot of their guys uh, have made big uh, leaps from last year so uh, it's we've really tried to implement some stuff to defensively to try to slow those guys down and hopefully uh, we can sort of limit those guys and I think uh, that'll help us have a pretty good chance to win we're on the road again we've been on the road a lot so it'll uh, it'll definitely be a challenge Um, but uh, I think I think we're up to it. 
Yeah, six of your first eight games are on the road this season. You're getting a lot of them out of the way, though. So after this weekend, you you don't leave the province again, I don't think, during the regular season until Regina at, in, at the last weekend of the season. So is that something that yeah, it may be a little bit tough to start, but then you realize, oh, wow, we've got a pretty nice schedule for the rest of it. Yeah, uh, I think we're certainly looking forward to playing at home. We we love playing uh, at home at the Duckworth with uh, friends, family, and fans coming out to support us. So there's there's definitely uh, I, I'm definitely looking forward uh, to playing at home a little bit more, especially in the second semester. Um, we're we're doing our best to try to just take it week by week and and focus on uh, this weekend at Mount Royal and make sure that uh, we do our job so that we can come out of here with two wins. But um, it's it's certainly been uh, a challenge to play on the road as much as we have, but I, I do think there's certainly uh, a feeling amongst the team that we're, we're, we're going to be pretty excited to play at home as much as we are in the second semester. So if we can uh, make it through this stage and, and take care of business, then uh, things, uh, things should look pretty good for us in terms of uh, playing at home uh, in the second semester. Leading your team in scoring right now is Alberto Gordo, 19 points per game so far this season. What kind of steps has he taken in his game? Uh, he's been fantastic. Uh, he's really, really dynamic. I think uh, we saw a lot of the things he's doing this year, last year. He's, uh, I always forget about how young he is, well, 19 years old and coming over here when he was 17 and uh, being on his own. I, he had such an impressive rookie year, and he's really just built on that. I think some of it's confidence. Uh, some of it's he clearly uh, worked really hard in the offseason when he uh, went back home. Uh, he's really shot the ball well. I think he's sort of knows where his spots are coming from. We know where to get him the ball. Uh, he's also played really well in terms of getting other people involved in his playmaking. Uh, he's, he's really been fantastic, and uh, we're, we're really lucky to have him on our team. And this team is still pretty young. Sean Moran is the only senior on this team. He's been uh, man of the point as he has in the past. What kind of leadership does he bring to the court when he's out there? Oh, he's... He's instrumental uh, in terms of leadership and organization. Uh, like I've now played with him for four or five years and played with provincial teams on him in the pa- with him in the past. Uh, and he's, it's, you know, you can look at a statute of his and you can go, oh, maybe it wasn't his best game or something if you're watching it. But then you look and he has 15 points and 10 assists. And there's so many things about him getting us organized defensively and making sure that we're in the right positions uh, on offense and defense, running our different set plays uh, at, a, at the right pace. He just, he really puts his imprint on every game that he plays. Um, what he's able to do in terms of leading us uh, is, is really, really tremendous. And like, I, I think he makes all of us better players because he's on our team. Now for you and uh, Moranin and I think Ryan Luke as well, you, you spent a little bit of time working with the Seabears this summer. What, we, what was that like for you? What did you do and how do you think that helped you this year? Yeah, uh, Ryan and uh, Sean, I think, well, they did spend a, a fair bit more time with the Seabears uh, than I did. I was just in training camp and then, uh, for the first four or five days and uh, wasn't able to continue with them the rest of the summer. Uh, but for me personally, just sort of seeing the chance uh, or seeing guys at a professional level, uh, how they train, how they prepare before practices and training camp uh, was really, really cool for me. Uh, like seeing a guy like Teddy Allen and, EJ Anasike and how much of 
how much time is devoted into each part of their game. And, you know, I'm seeing EJ uh, shoot a bunch of turnarounds and stuff after and before practice to make sure that, you know, that shot was, was where it needed to be. And then, you know, I go to the games uh, or later on in the season and he's making them at a great clip, just seeing the level of preparation and care that those guys have into their games and seeing how they work was was really tremendous and then uh coach taylor was really fantastic about uh showing us as sort of university players sort of what a professional training camp looks like with how much information you have to go through and how many plays and defensive schemes and how many verbals are you know for each uh part of offense and defense uh like it was really sort of a master class if you want to say uh, in terms of what professional basketball looks like, and we were we were really really lucky to be a, to have a chance to be a part of that. And so you went to some games. What was it? What, what was it like for this basketball scene in Winnipeg? You've been a part of it for for so long, growing up, and now playing at the U of Winnipeg. What was it like to have a pro team here this summer? It was unbelievable. I I went to every game uh, I could, and uh, I was encouraging friends and family to make it out because uh, what I thought was great about it was it was fantastic for the basketball community. I, I loved going because I you know, saw everybody that I've played against and with and coaches I've uh, had in the past at games. So that community aspect was very, very fun for me to see the whole basketball community out. And I thought it was really special that there was, I think, a lot of people that maybe weren't as involved in the basketball community but wanted to give it uh, a try because they thought it would be a it, was, it would be a fun thing to do on a, on a weeknight or whatever the case was. And uh, I think just talking to people at games I think they really really enjoyed it uh, I thought the Seabears organization did a great job of promoting the team um, obviously they did very well which helps uh, when they were sort of in the running for the championship the whole way and you have players like Teddy Allen and Simon Hildebrandt winning uh, awards uh, I think it was really really awesome uh, to see that as someone that's grown up playing basketball and loves the game uh, to have a chance to have a professional team uh, with such high-level players to be able to see in your front yard, like that's that's really really special, and I'm I'm so happy that we have the Seabirds. It's it's really fantastic. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Looking forward to year two of that. Well, Donald, I'll let you go on that note. Thanks for giving us some time tonight. Best of luck this weekend, and we'll uh, see you when you get back home next week. Thanks so much. And that is Donald Stewart of the Winnipeg Westman men's basketball team. I say we'll see you when you get home because I do I do their games when they're at home, so I will be doing. Their games next Friday and Saturday against Saskatchewan. I asked for Friday off so I could go do another job. Can I have vacation so I could go do other work? Thank you. That's how I use my vacation. We all do it differently. Let's turn back to hockey now as the Winnipeg Jets continue their three-game road trip tomorrow in Sunrise against the Panthers coming off last night's 3-2 overtime win over the Lightning. So that's now four wins in a row for the Jets as they improve to 7-2 and in November. It's been an impressive month of hockey as they currently sit just two points back of Dallas for first in the Central. Can they keep it up? Well, let's find out if they can. We're joined by Murat Atesh, who covers the Jets for the Athletic. Murat, is this run of play for the Jets sustainable over the long haul? Winnipeg, for me, Christian, is playing a more sustainable brand of quality hockey so far this season than they did even last year when all those injuries hit and they were sort of flirting with the top of the Western Conference spot in the standings for a long time. For me, the five-on-five game is so much better structured. The forecheck's really aggressive. The backchecking is there. The defense is doing a great job of moving the puck. Um, and against Tampa Bay, Connor Hellebuck showed up to the party too. So even when a few mistakes were made 
all of a sudden you've got that traditional Connor Hellebuck robbery going on. And I think that's a great recipe for success. How much of this is comfortability with a system? Because most of the players out there were also here last year and we saw what happened at the end last year. And how much of it is switching out Dubois and Wheeler for Ayafalo and at first Kapari, but we saw Velarde as well. Do you see any merit in, in the switching of personnel or is it just a matter of they're, they're just playing better this year? I think there was some room to grow even after last year. I appreciated what Rick Bonus did systems-wise. The buy-in was mostly there throughout the season. Um, he got some really good hockey out of guys like Pierre-Luc Dubois for about 50-55 games before Dubois sort of went on his ghost job at the end of the year there. Um, in Winnipeg's case this year, I think that there's something to be said about taking what they built last year and taking it a step further. But also the new players you mentioned, Alex Iafalo has been a great fit on that top line with Velarde hurt. Kupari did well until he was hurt. But also Winnipeg's trade deadline acquisitions last year, you only got about 20 games each of Vladislav Nemesnikov and Nino Niederreiter. And I think now the way that Winnipeg wants to play that aggressive forecheck, an aggressive back check too. They work way harder this year when they don't have the puck to get it back as fast as possible. Some of that is in the roster construction when you have Ayafalo on one line, Niederreiter on another line, Nemesnikov on another line. All of a sudden, every line Winnipeg is running has one of those guys that's really good at going and getting that puck back, helping Winnipeg stars play in the right end of the ice. And I think we should also mention Cole Perfetti. And last year he played 51 games, but he was hurt and a couple of spots he's now healthy and he I think we're seeing the step up that they needed him to make given the offseason roster changes yeah it's a luxury in Winnipeg where you know you can count on Shifley and Connor to produce offense on that top line you can count on Lowry Appleton and Niederreiter to handle tough opposition on that third line but what else do you have working for you and when you have Cole Perfetti stepping into himself as a top six player, scoring the way that he's scoring, finding soft ice around the offensive zone, showing up at the right time, making, you know, looking one way, passing to Nikolai Ehlers another way, the chemistry is building in that regard. These are all the things that Winnipeg hoped for when they drafted him at 10th overall in 2020. They saw the vision. They saw the hockey sense. They saw all of these things. And to this point, they hadn't seen a fully healthy season and the breakout that was possible. Well, all of that ability is still there and, and it's, coming home to roost now he's scoring most games that he plays in. And I think he's heating up. That's a great, that's a great step for the Winnipeg Jets. Well, the topic du jour is about to be what happens to the forward construction when Gabriel Velarde is back in the lineup. We're not quite at that stage yet, but we're getting very close to him being ready to play again in your eyes. What do you think is the optimal configuration when he's ready to play again? Well, I'm curious about that chemistry he had going with Kyle Connor and Mark Shifley at the beginning of the year. And for me, I think those three players see the game in a very similar way, especially offensively. I think they're good at protecting the puck. I think the way that they make triangles on the ice, with Connor usually being the one darting into the middle of the ice and getting passes from Shifley or Velarde off the wall, I think that there's a lot of similar vision in that trio, and I think that there's a lot to, to see offensively from that group. 
At the same time, it's tough to look at Alex Ayafalo's role on that top line right now and say, hey, you deserve a demotion. Because all he does is forecheck and backcheck and get pucks for Connor and Shifley and help put them in good situations. And that's been a really winning combination for the Jets so far. So maybe that's not the immediate spot, especially if Velarde takes a minute to get back up to game speed. So I wonder if that second line could be a soft landing spot for him. No argument to be made in my mind that Nemesnikov or Ehlers or Perfetti deserves a demotion based on how they're playing. But I think that Nemesnikov's versatility has shown so many times that he might be an easier player for Winnipeg to bump down the lineup, make room for Velarde on that second line. And then should any other changes need to be made, you know Nemesnikov will give you quality and hustle and effort in that second line without missing a beat if he's promoted again. And that third line seems to be the most untouchable, right? If we can call it a third line, it might be the second line. Should we just call it the Lowry line? <laughs> yeah, I guess Lowry line probably pleases everybody. I, I like your perspective on this because for me, if you count up all the minutes at the end of the night and Lowry's line gets the second most, it's not the second line. And, you know, even a moment ago, as I was calling Perfetti's line the second line, it hasn't been on a lot of nights. Lowry's line is that important. And for me, I'm with you. It is not to be messed with right now. That is an untouchable trio. It goes right back to Niederreiter's acquisition at the trade deadline last year. Appleton, Niederreiter, and Lowry were on fire in terms of chances created, in terms of chances that they don't give up because they're so tenacious. And the goals, too. If you just keep a track of the scoreboard when they're on the ice, Winnipeg's been dominant since the moment that Niederreiter arrived. Special teams remain a bit of an issue for this team. It's trending in the in the more promising direction, but nonetheless, special teams have still been, I think, a bit of an anchor for this team so far this year. Do you view the... Well, start with the power play. Do you view that as coming together because the stats would suggest over the last week and a half that they are figuring out how to play on the power play? Yeah, you sort of see more of a, more of a motion-based attack. Players are moving when they don't have the puck. Players are making faster decisions. And there's been a lot of situations where even the smaller guys, and I'll use Perfetti as an example are setting screens by moving through the goaltender's crease and kind of getting in his eyes at just the right time. Alex Iafal has also had success at that. And the goals have been showing up for the Jets as well. So you can start to believe in Winnipeg's power play. The way that they're just a, a really top-tier team at 5-on-5, five five, they don't need to have literally the best power play in the league to have success. Um, but they should try to avoid having among the worst penalty kills. And that's an area where... Christian, I don't know. I, I I struggle to see the improvement all of the way. I thought in the last couple of games that I've been seeing Winnipeg keep to its structure a little bit tighter. And then unfortunately against Tampa Bay, Appleton takes a really tough shot block. He's a step behind the play and he's clearly in pain, but Tampa Bay gets its seam pass off and Stamkos goes barring in. And what are you supposed to do about that? So for the time being, I'm more optimistic about the power play than the PK, I'll tell you that. You posited an interesting question the, uh, recently online, and it was about the the team's save percentage on penalty kill versus the penalty kill itself. Is the goaltending on the PK a product of the PK, or is it vice versa? So how do you view that now with a little more time to think about it? Yeah, for me, compared to five-on-five five play, a power play takes the shots that it wants. At five-on-five, five, you get a lot more spraying pucks at the net, hoping for rebounds, looking for traffic. It can be a good thing to do with the puck when you're not sure. 
Well, at five on four, teams have control of the puck, and they're really looking to set up the shot that they want. And maybe that involves a rebound, and maybe that involves traffic, but maybe it involves those seam passes like Samko scored on and like Kyle Connor sometimes scores on as well. Um, I think that on the PK, the fact that Winnipeg's save percentage is so low, especially because Connor Hellebuck has been above average at five on five, and we're starting to see him round it into form as well. I think that Winnipeg's struggles are about giving up high quality shots. They're not getting absolutely peppered with shots all of the time, but the ones they give up from time to time can be really dangerous. If it goes through a seam, if the goalie's got to cover a lot of ice, uh, if that one timer is there, that's a really dangerous shot. And, you know, especially through the first you know, 15, 16, 17 games of the season. I think Winnipeg's given up way too many of those, and that's what's affecting the numbers. Kyle Connor, you just did a, a deep dive on his success. Uh, the goals have been the headliner for sure, but do you view Kyle Connor as having a, a more well-rounded season so far? You know, it's been a mixed bag for me on that uh, defensively. Offensively, is all-world. Nobody scores more goals than him. That's a wonderful player and an underrated player. Defensively, there have been moments where he's in the right general neighborhood. And I think Saturday's back check was a really great example. Winnipeg gives up a two-on-two. DeMello's caught in the middle of the ice. Morrissey's handling his guy. Kyle Connor is tracking back at speed. It's explosive. And you can tell he's picked up the right guy. He gets into Winnipeg's zone and he sort of puts the brakes on. He starts gliding. The pass gets made. The shot gets off. Connor isn't able to take care of his man and that puck goes in. That's a tough play, but you watch what he did against Tampa Bay, and it wasn't just once. It was multiple great back checks, one at five on five, one on the power play, where he's not only getting all the way back in a Winnipeg zone, he's on his horse, but this time he's got the stick tied up. He's got his man tied up, and he's boxing that player out so he can't get a scoring chance. The more you see of that, the more dynamic this guy is going to be, the more Overall, his impact is just going to go up and up and up, and his offense is already incredible. If he can do that regularly, watch out. I think we're in this market maybe clouded by recency in that last November, this team was also really good, and we saw what happened over the second half of the season. I think there's an element of, okay, let's see with this team. Do you think that's fair? I think it's definitely fair. You'd like to see... Winnipeg keep its its ability up and the quality of play up for an extended period of time before you can believe in it all of the way. We saw, you know, the Rick Bonus pushback reference at the end of the playoffs last year. We saw that second half struggle and slide. At this time last year, though, there were a couple of things that are slightly different. One, Winnipeg was thoroughly injured, which made its record really, really extra impressive, I would say, at this time. But they were getting by at the skin of their teeth. There were a lot of overtime wins. There were some shootout wins. There were a lot of one-goal games. And analytically, you'd prefer a team to be outscoring its team by a lot than having to tell itself that, hey, we win the one-goal games all the time. That's why our goal differential is almost even, but we win all the time. This year, Winnipeg is outchancing teams. It's outscoring teams. It's doing all of those things and leaving a little bit less room for question. I like to think of this as more likely to last and more likely to be a, a top half of the Western Conference finish this year than it was last. So looking at tomorrow's game then, Mark Scheifele has had a, a sterling offensive record against Paul Maurice since he left as Winnipeg Jets head coach. I think he's got five goals and three games against the Panthers with Maurice in charge. Do we expect to see a motivated Scheifele again tomorrow night? 
<laughs> I like it. I, I've gotten a kick out of that too. I've noticed it too. And, uh, you know, maybe he just didn't like that sudden departure. Maybe it's a coincidence, but I mean, I think Shifley looks fired up every time he goes up against uh, the, the Florida Panthers and he's done a lot of damage against them. It would be a real fun storyline if he has yet another big game. All right, Murat, we'll let you go on that. Thanks for this and enjoy your night and we'll uh, check in again soon. Thanks, Christian. Thanks for having me. Radatesh of The Athletic. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell until we meet again. So long and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to warn you all. Share our intellect, which might explain your